Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, it's a split post-game pod from the Wolves' collapse in San Antonio over the weekend. Plus, we'll preview Wolves' thunder on Monday night. A lot to talk about from the Spurs game. And can the Wolves get it together in time to face the new number one team in the Western Conference in OKC on Monday? It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Monday, everybody. It's a Wolves game day. They're in OKC to take on the Thunder, the fourth and final matchup of the regular season series between the two teams, the top two teams in the West. We'll preview that towards the end of the show. Lots to get to first. Uh, especially related to the Spurs game on Saturday, my thoughts on on the collapse. And, and really, I think this is the one game this year that we could point to coaching. And I'll explain what I mean by that here in just a minute. A big thank you here off the top for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow an X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. So let's start with Wolves Spurs. And um, this was, well, it was a bad loss. I have kind of a, maybe a, a little bit of an unpopular take on this one. Like it was not, I'm not going to explain this away. I'm not going to excuse it. Like it, it was a bad loss. You can't lose to the worst team in the conference. And, you know, Road game or not, it was a back-to-back for them, right? Like their first winning streak of the season. And the Wolves continue to squander away this stretch of of really, uh, you know, overwhelmingly this this like late January stretch has been winnable games. And they've obviously the Charlotte loss, barely beating Brooklyn. You know, there's, there's some stuff mixed in there that has not been very good. And they're what, like nine and eight, I think, over their last 17 games, something like that. And have really kind of been treading water. And, uh, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago even, I was saying like, hey, the stretch was tough. Like the fact that they were 9-7 and seven in that December 11th to January 11th stretch against all f- above 500 teams, those 16 games, 11 on the road, like they played really well. But now they're starting to mix in losses to bad teams. And then you add in bad late losses to teams that they could have beaten, like Boston, like OKC, excusable in that it was good competition but inexcusable because it's the same issues that keep coming up in terms of late game execution on the offensive end, especially uh, turnovers, et cetera. Now, on top of all that, we layer in what I, I think is the first time all year where you could point to the results of the game and draw a direct line to how the game was coached from a rotation standpoint. And also, it only underscores the continuous issues with late game execution. So I want to get into that here in a second. Well, actually, let's just get into it now. Overall, I actually don't think the Wolves played all that bad in this game. Again, that take is probably not popular. It doesn't excuse losing to a team that was 9-36 coming in, 4-17 at home, a team you'd beaten a couple of times. And, uh, you you know, were the Wolves looking ahead to Monday? I don't know. But again, I don't actually think they played all that bad. The Wolves shot 57% from the field. They shot 54% from three-point range. Um, they only turned it over 13 times, which isn't great, but it's a lot better than the 21 they turned it over against OKC, you know, a week and a half ago and, and, 
you know, some of the other performances here during the stretch as they continue to be one of the league's most turnover prone teams, you know, uh, overall and defensively too, by the way, like they were up 36, 23 at the end of the first quarter. They were still up by 12 at halftime. They were still up by 10 going to the fourth quarter. This was a game that the Wolves, like, there was some uneasiness early, like, maybe second quarter, early in the first quarter, and then even sometimes in the second quarter, the Spurs kind of made a run, and and I'll get into that related to the rotation, because uh, you could point at that, at the second and fourth quarter issues for the Wolves, based on who was on the floor. But the Wolves controlled this game for three quarters, besides that blip on the radar in the early second quarter. Anthony Edwards had one of his better games here recently. And other than a couple of bad turnovers in, in the last possession, which we'll talk about, he was very efficient. The shot selection was good. He uh, had 12 assists in this game, which I think is a season high for him. Um, he had six rebounds. I mean, he had six rebounds halfway through the third quarter, so he went the final quarter and a half without grabbing a board. But this was a good Ant game. And the Wolves kind of squandered it. Really. Uh, the bench play was uneven at best. The uh, overall execution late in the game, which, like I said, we'll get into, was not good. The defense in the fourth quarter was spotty at best. They gave up 33 points in the fourth quarter to the Spurs. And up until this game, you could point at the offense as being the the main fourth quarter issue. I mean, they, they might have only scored 15 points in, I think it was the Brooklyn game, uh, that they won, barely. But they only gave up 20. So, like, you know, worked out okay. Right, Because the defense was still really locked in. That wasn't the case, at least early in the fourth quarter in this game. And the way this this game kind of went was um, the defense was bad at the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter. They're up 10 going to the fourth. It gave the Spurs life. Some, some kind of lazy possessions, and you can sprinkle those throughout a game, and that happens. It's impossible. And, you know, I see people on Twitter, like after Ant locked down uh, – uh, locked down bridges the other night and they beat the Nets. People on Twitter are like, oh, why can't we see that the full game? Nobody's playing lockdown defense in a stance like that side to side for 48 minutes. It's just, it's not feasible for these guys to do that every single night. Now, can you get close to that more often than not, right? It's it's who can lock in. And that's the whole reason why playoff, it's, it's there's a whole other, I could do a whole show probably on, you know, reduce the season by 10 games, eliminate or or really reduce back-to-backs, um, you know, lengthen the season in terms of calendar-wise even, like whatever you got to do because fans want to see these guys lock in like that. But it's not realistic and it doesn't happen. And that's why teams, you know, that's where the whole load management thing started from. It was injuries, but it was also, hey, we're going to lose a few games anyway. Let's try and go 100% and try and win every game when everyone's available, but pick a pick a few schedule losses here and there rest guys and and know we're going to lose, you know, even the best teams other than the Golden State year when they lost nine, the best teams are going to lose 25, 30 games a year for the most part. So let's pick and choose when that is and let's let's dictate terms. And the Wolves, to their credit, don't subscribe to that. But at the same time, you get games like this one where Mike Conley, you know, was was uh, questionable coming in, ends up sitting with the, I think it was a hamstring this time. Um, and, you know, they've they've... I want to talk a little more about Shake Milton, but they give Shake Milton some more run. They're trying some different things here and there. But if you don't get guys that lock in 100% of the time, or or as close to 100%, like I said, it's hard, really hard to be locked in 100% of the time. But if you can't get that effort night in and night out, these other teams, like 
the Spurs got really hot in the fourth quarter. And I, I started the podcast today by saying, I don't think the Wolves played all that bad. The biggest problem was end of third, early fourth quarter. And they were still up 10 going to the fourth. But it was a little bit of a back to back and forth at the end of the third, kind of right around when Ant got hot and, and shortly after that. When the Wolves were just kind of like, all right, we're going to score. Not a big deal if they score. And there was some lazy defense in there. And then in the fourth quarter, they just got piping hot. They made they scored on, what, 10 straight possessions or they had 10 straight made shots. And most of those were actually pretty well contested, kind of circusy shots, like really impressive shooting display by San Antonio. But it was leading into that where the Wolves defense was spotty at best, a little bit lazy, a step slow. The Spurs got into a rhythm. You gave them a chance. You gave them the idea that, hey, we can, we're at home. We won last night. We can hang in there. We can win this game against the best team in the West. And and it's the whole, you know, the best team in the West has a target on their back, right? And the Spurs are like, they're starting to gain that confidence. And then it snowballs. And then they start making circus shots. And they hang around and they hang around and they hang around. And eventually they take leads down the stretch. And then you have to execute per- perfectly to win a game that you're, you know, neck and neck, possession by possession in. Next, I want to focus on the coaching stuff that I alluded to. I want to talk about rotations. I want to talk about how badly that was managed. And then we'll talk about the end of the game, late game execution. We'll do individual studs and duds, and then we'll preview Wolves Thunder. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring that home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And you know I'm about to do that. We have uh, a Super Bowl Sunday tra- uh, tradition every single year. We do the same thing, kind of alternate places. We watch it with some friends and uh, obviously stock up on snacks, stock up on beverages, and if, and prop bets are always a huge part of it. Like uh, me and my buddy, we have a whole list of prop bets we go through every year. And you know we each take certain bets. We work together on it and hopefully come out big at the end. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with the W or two or three or more. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for how many players will score a touchdown, which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. I mentioned those prop bets. I can't wait. New customers, join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Now is the perfect time to join. Trust me, join before Super Bowl Sunday. Again, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 
streaming channel. All right, let's get into some of the coaching stuff. So I referenced earlier, the Wolves, for the most part, controlled the first three quarters. The biggest issue was early second quarter, late third quarter, and then the fourth quarter was pretty much an abomination for most of it. But let's talk about where things went off the rails in the first half. Remember, the Wolves were up at the end of the first quarter, 36 to 23. They were a plus 13. The Wolves opened the second quarter with a lineup of Jordan McLaughlin, Shake Milton, Kyle Anderson, Carl Thiddy Towns, and Rudy Gobert. Now, what's the biggest issue with that lineup? Pretty obvious. There's a lack of shooting, right? Carl Thiddy Towns, obviously, incredible shooter. Besides Cat, I mean, obviously, you know, Rudy's not spacing the floor. Kyle Anderson shooting 17% from three this year. Shake Milton shooting 26% from three this year. McLaughlin's 35%, but was worse than that last year, and for his career is, is not where he needs to be. Um, that's everybody, right? McLaughlin, Milton, Anderson, Rudy, and Cat. Lack of shooting, lack of spacing, lack of shot creation. You know, in theory, Shake Milton was supposed to be that guy when they acquired him in the offseason. And um, Chris Finch talked a bunch about Shake being the guy to, you know, they see him as a playmaking point guard who can get his own shot. He said a bunch of stuff related to that when they got him. I was a bit dubious because I, I know that Shake did that a bit with the Sixers. But to me, his value was more as a spot up shooter, which has also been a bit shaky, pun intended, I guess, over the course of his career. He's been a bit up and down from outside the arc. And in my mind, it made more sense to get a traditional backup point guard, you know, uh, Javon Carter, somebody defensively minded that I spoke about on the show over the summer, or get another shooter and turn the second unit keys over to Kyle Anderson and or Nikki Alexander-Walker. Well, they kind of tried to have it both ways because Shake, in theory, is a good spot-up shooter, but he just hasn't been. He's never looked comfortable. And his shot motion's weird. It looks like he's shot putting the ball. It's like he's not strong enough to shoot it from three, which is obviously not true, but that's what his shot motion looks like, right? Like, it's been an awful year for Shake Milton, and I'm sure, you know, he feels it more than anybody. He was out of the rotation for a long time. I, on this show, pushed for him to get more minutes just a couple of weeks ago simply so that the Wolves could get an idea of, like, is this guy ever going to be a rotation piece for us? Could he be our quote-unquote trade line, trade deadline acquisition? Like, could he suddenly pick up where we expected him to be at the start of the year, be that scorer off the bench, be that sixth man, uh, be the scoring point guard, um, you know, for this unit as we head toward the playoffs? And if he's not, we need to acquire someone at the deadline. Well, guess what? We've seen a couple weeks worth of data now with him back in the rotation, really, for the most part, night in and night out. And we have enough data to see that Shake Milton is not the answer. And I don't know if they're, I don't know if the intention is let's showcase him to trade him because like nobody's, nobody's going to give you a second round pick for Shake Milton right now. They're just not. Or if the intention was, as I suggested, like let's see if he could be a fit for us moving forward or if it's a little bit of both. It's probably a little bit of both. But I think the answer to both is a resounding no. Like you can't be giving Shake Milton NBA minutes right now if you're trying to hold on to the number one seed in the West. He just he looks lost. Bad on both ends. He got lost defensively a couple times. Gave up a wide open corner three because he got sucked in too far during the fourth quarter, early fourth quarter run by the Spurs. That's a conversation for it. We'll probably spend some time on that Wednesday uh, is, is rotation stuff slash shake. And also we're two weeks from the deadline. So we're going to mix in some trade deadline stuff here over the next couple weeks. But in the context of this game, having a, a no offense, you know, Kyle Anderson can kind of sort of create for himself and others but not in a traditional way. Shake Milton's not doing anything that's positive on the offensive end. McLaughlin, 
you know, with have McLaughlin on the floor, unless you're running pick and roll with him and Cat or him and Nas every time down, you know, there's only there's a ceiling to what he can provide. And Conley and Cat are the only ones that have had much chemistry with Rudy. And and you know, there's an example of if that's the lineup you're gonna have on the floor, you better be running your sets to a T. Run big, big pick and roll. Get Cat and Rudy, you know, get Rudy going to the rim, have Cat create. Like there's you have to have even more structure there if Anthony Edwards is not on the floor. So in those minutes at the at the beginning of the second quarter, that lineup before the Wolves called a timeout and started to make subs was outscored eleven to four in the first like three, three and a half minutes of the second quarter. Eleven to four. Okay. With the Wolves up ten in the start of the fourth quarter, Chris Finch rolls out the exact same lineup, but with Nas Reed in place of Carl Anthony Town. So it's McLaughlin, Milton, Slomo, Nas Reed, and Rudy. That lineup gets outscored ten to two in the first three plus minutes of the fourth quarter, three ish. Actually, I think a little less than three minutes of the fourth quarter. So I'm going to lump those lineups together because four of the five of them are the same for the five guys on the floor. They were outscored 21 to six start of the second and start of the fourth in basically like six, six and a half minutes, 21 to six. The other thing is that lineup lacks a lot defensively too, right? I mean, Jerome McLaughlin's a fine defender, but he's very small. Shake Milton's not a very, like, he's a pretty average defender, and he's also a bit undersized, what they're asking him to do. Kyle Anderson's a good defender, but he's a bit slow-footed. Nas and Cat, kind of the same, right? And Rudy. But you don't have McDaniels, you don't have Ant, you don't have Conley, who didn't play in this game, of course. Um, you don't have Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You don't have any of your top four perimeter defenders on the floor with this lineup. And you don't, you don't have anybody that can shoot besides Cat with the one lineup and Nas with the other. So I don't know what the point of this lineup is, other than like veteran savvy of slow-mo, Rudy, and shake. I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And when it didn't work at the start of the second quarter, if I'm Chris Finch, I'm especially with the Spurs showing signs of life at the end of the third quarter, like why would you trot that lineup out to start the fourth quarter? It makes no sense. So that was, to me, a this term is overused, but kind of coaching malpractice. Like, what are we doing with rotation? And I, I, I'm i not going to spend a lot of time on this now. I defend Chris Finch all the time because I think it's pretty unfair to just be like, I can't believe, what's he doing? They're first in the West, guys. Like, I know the offense has been bad, but clearly he's doing some things right. Last year wasn't really a fair shake in terms of how things looked offensively. This team's consistently improved defensively over the course of the last two years. There's a lot to like, uh, managing personalities, like all the other stuff. Everybody seems to like Chris Finch, and he's done a very good job, and it doesn't get talked about enough at the national level, for sure. Considering that a year ago, everyone was everyone nationally was like, ah, the Wolves need to blow it up again. And now, all of a sudden, they're you know been one of the best three, four teams in the NBA all season long, and nobody's talking about Chris Finch. But in this game, I, I know no Mike Conley. But like, hey, you can't have that rotation in the fourth quarter of a relatively close game. And sure, I'm sure part of it is showcasing shake or whatever you want to call it. But you got to react. You got to read the room if you're Chris Finch. That was a, a big mistake. And then at the end of the game, let's talk about the last possession before we get to studs and duds here. Um, on the last possession with the Wolves down one, after the silly Jade McDaniels foul, which understandable, he was trying to get a tie up off the rebound. Like you just got to be, it's hard to process. I guess you got to know going into that possession. Hey, a foul means they get free throws because we're going to be in the penalty, but it's so hard when you're trying to grab a rebound in a big spot. You're trying to get the tie up, but he reaches around, um, uh, Kelton Johnson. I think it was and fouls him. Johnson makes one or two free throws. Wolves get the ball side out with, uh, what, like six seconds left, seven seconds left. And, 
the Spurs do a good job of whoever was guarding the ball turned around and and basically doubled the catch on Ant. So Ant had to go into the backcourt to get the pass, which was a big issue. And I think he went too far and probably could have, you know, like obviously you can't get it stolen, but he wasted a half second going even further into the backcourt. He comes up, picks up his dribble 30 feet from the bucket and is double teamed, which you knew the Spurs were going to do. He swings it to Cat. They essentially, everybody comes out to Cat. I actually think Ant was the one that messed up the most on that possession and and getting him the ball made sense and trying to get into an action made sense. Ant probably, I think Ant to Cat made sense. Cat could have immediately moved it um, I think it was Jaden. Well, no, Jaden was on the opposite side. Right before Cat shot it, Rudy popped open under the basket, but there was like 0.8 on the clock, and realistically, you weren't going to get that pass in there with Wemby in the way. Um, you could have quickly swung it. Ant had actually kind of faded into that the strong side corner when Cat had the ball in his hands 25 or 28 feet away, whatever it was, and he maybe could have quick swung it to Ant for a quick shot at the buzzer that would have been a, a mid-range jumper that still would have given the Wolves the win. I think you really credit the Spurs and then Ant messed up by picking up his dribble when he did should have known, Hey, they're going to double me. And in that moment, your better move is to just like try and split the double and get fouled. And if you don't, and you're, you know, then pass the ball to somebody else. Don't, you know, cause cat had essentially a hot potato and had to shoot that tough fade away and almost made it. So, you know, not great execution. It's hard to say what they were even trying to do on that possession offensively, but credit to the Spurs. I think it was just really on Ant more than anything else. Didn't didn't quite read it right. I don't think I'm not gonna. I think what Cat did was fine. Um, but anyway, I want to do a couple quick key takeaways, individual studs and duds, and I still want to peek at the Thunder game here at the end of the show. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our new friends at Quiz. This episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to you by Quiz. Today we're going to have some fun and test your Timberwolves knowledge. This should be a pretty easy one if you paid attention or, hey, I don't know, watched the Wolves at all in the last week. Which Timberwolves player holds the record for the most points scored in a single game in Wolves history? Okay, got that? Quiz with three eyes is the next generation trivia experience. It's also the world's first platform where you can earn money playing knowledge games. For Lockdown Wolves fans, they've created an NBA quiz game where you can test your knowledge and win real cash. Play with friends or other fans and let your knowledge shine all the way to the bank. You can play without downloading anything. Just go to app.quiz with three eyes. App.quiz, Q-U-I-I-I-Z.com. Start playing today. NBA Quiz is the ultimate knowledge challenge for fans that live and breathe basketball. I actually just did this before recording the show today, and it, I played a, a a challenge. You go one-on-one against somebody, a free game. You can win. I think it's like you win a dollar for every free game you play. I got four to five questions right. There was a question about... Uh, what was Derrick Rose's injury in the playoffs in what 2012? I think it was. Um, there was a question about which Lakers head coach has the most career wins. Like it was, it was fun, a ton of fun to play. Very easy to play again. You don't have to download anything. The answer to the trivia question about the Timberwolves player with the most points in a single game: Carl Anthony Towns. He would have been the answer before last week because he had 60 in that game against the Spurs. Actually, coincidentally, in San Antonio in 2022, but he scored 62 last week um, in the Wolves' loss to Charlotte. Um. Definitely go check out uh, app.quiz.com, Q-U-I-I-I-Z.com to test your knowledge and win cash today. That's quiz with three eyes, just like a three-pointer. Play now, showcase your skills, and take home cash prizes. App.quiz.com, where fans become champions. All right, a couple additional key takeaways. Uh, Fourth quarter, the Timberwolves scored just 22 points, all right? That's fine if you play a little bit of defense. But again, the Spurs got hot. They gave up 33 points themselves. The last four quarters before this, 
leading into this game, I think Bally Sports North ran a stat during the game about the Wolves net rating over the last four games of the fourth quarter is like minus 48 or something crazy. And of course, before that, like you go back five games and that was the win on TNT over Memphis where they crushed it in the fourth quarter. It was a close game until the fourth. Timberwolves took over the fourth quarter. But the next four games, they scored 14 in the fourth against OKC in that loss where they scored only 97 points overall for the game. They scored 18 in the loss to Charlotte in the fourth quarter. That was the cat 60 plus game. 28 against Washington. And of course, they ultimately won that game. It was fine. 15 against Brooklyn. They gave up 20. They ended up winning that close game at the end because of the really great defense on the final possession. So 14 against OKC, 18 against Charlotte, 28 Washington, 15 Brooklyn, 22 against the Spurs. So three out of five games, they scored under 20 in the fourth quarter. They also lost three out of the five games, right? OKC, Charlotte, and San Antonio. That's the biggest issue right now is fourth quarter offensive execution. And there were a couple bad turnovers. Ant had one, and I think Cat had one where they, you know, he tried to lob to Rudy. Ant had one where he just lost the ball again because that's been happening a lot more recently. Um, you know, that, and that's partly on coaching too. I think that's more on execution than anything else, but you've seen it, you've seen it everywhere on Twitter, right? The Wolves just need to run more actual play sets instead of just like, hey, let's roll the ball out and see what happens in the fourth. There was still an element of that in this game. All right, real quick, studs and duds from this one. Anthony Edwards is a stud. He did play really well in this game. 32 points, 12 assists. He was 12 of 18 from the field. That's 75% field goal shooting. He was also 75% from three. Six of eight outside the arc for Ant. He's now up to like just a shade under 39%. Yeah, 38.5% from three for the season. This dude becomes a legit 40% three-point shooter. I mean, look out. He's shooting 46 you know, rounded up to 39, 46, 39, and 84 right now. Um, that's that's real. I mean, like he's, the shooting is is coming around for him. Now, he only attempted four free throws. As a team, I meant to mention this earlier, the Wolves were only 8 of 15 at the free throw line. That's another thing to point to. And so were the Spurs, by the way. Both teams were 8 of 15 at the line. So not a ton of free throws in this game. The Wolves shot them terribly at the line. Rudy was 3 of 4. But Ant was 2 of 4. Kyle Anderson was 0 for 2. Nas was 1 of 2. Cat missed his only free throw attempt. If Cat and Ant combine for only 5 free throw attempts and then go 2 of 5 at the line, that's not great. You end up losing by 1. Not often that you point at free throw shooting for the Wolves and say, ah, that was a big issue. 8 of 15 was not going to cut it as a team. But again, 32 and 12 and 6 for Ant. 75% from the floor. 75% from outside the arc in this game. Um, He was, what, 6 of 10 on two, six of eight on threes. He did have, like I said, six boards, one steal, four turnovers in 38 minutes. You can live with that, with how good he was otherwise and the volume that he had in this game. Um, Another stud for me in this game, I'm going to go Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 11 points, seven assists, four rebounds, only one turnover. Nah was really good. Four of seven shooting, three or four outside there. A couple of those tough threes. He had an end of shot clock from kind of above the break. Um, and a shot clock three-pointer that was big late in the game. I thought Nah was really, really good in this one. He's been playing great lately, and I thought he was the next best player on the floor for the Wolves, pretty clearly in this game. Um, I'm going to go Nas for my third stud. Even though the bench overall struggled, and that you know those minutes at the start of the second quarter were bad, Nas was very good, and his second-half stint was great. 13 points, 5 of 12 shooting, 2 of 5 outside the arc, had the third-most field goal attempts on the team besides behind Ant and Cat. Only two rebounds in 22 minutes. He did have three blocks, a couple real nice ones mixed in. And he also, he was on the floor for that that bad stretch at the beginning of the second quarter. The Wolves are outscored, what was it, 11-4? to four? Yeah, 
So you take that out. I mean, he was still, for the game, his plus minus was a plus five. That right there took seven points away from him. So he would have been a plus 12 if they had just played that to a net zero in this game. Um, Like, it was just, I thought Nas was good. That was more about the rest of that lineup. So uh, Edwards, Alexander Walker, and Nas are my three studs for this game. I don't think Cap played particularly well, especially in the first half. He had a nice run in the second half, scoring-wise. Not a great cat game. Rudy was fine. He was efficient. I don't think he was great defensively in this game. I don't think he was good on the glass in this game. Um, it just kind of a so-so Rudy game. Uh, Duds, I got to go with Shake. I know he had a positive plus-minus. I don't think that tells the story. He struggled. I know he had seven points on three of five shooting. I just don't think he was very good again. And I... I Gonna point a finger there. I don't think Jordan McLaughlin was very good. McLaughlin was a minus eleven in nine minutes, which that's a big number, right? So both McLaughlin and Shake are are, are duds for me. Again, Edwards, Nah, and uh, Nas are studs. All right, real quick, Wolves Thunder on Monday night. Of course, the Wolves just saw OKC. What was it like uh, eight days ago? Something like that. Nine days ago. And lost by five. That was the game they scored only ninety seven in the game and only fifteen in the fourth quarter. And down the stretch, just kind of fell apart. And I thought, for the most part, the Wolves, like, they did what they needed to do against OKC. OKC only scored 102 points. They're one of the best offensive teams in the league. They shot under 40% from the field, only 33% on threes. The problem was they got to the line 35 times, just six more times in Minnesota. They also made their free throws. They were 30 of 35 at the line. The Wolves were 21 of 29. And Minnesota turned it over 21 times. So last game against OKC, they lost by five, only scored 97, but they turned it over 21 times. Two times ago, right after Christmas, it was like December, I don't know, 27th in OKC. They were close for most of the game, ended up getting blown out late. They also turned it over 21 times. So 21 turnovers each of the last two times against OKC. And, you know, what's the number that works against the Wolves here? OKC is number one in the league in opponent turnover rate or defensive turnover rate. They turn opposing teams over at a higher rate than any other team in the league, and the Wolves are 30th in offensive turnover rate. They turn it over the most. OKC turns you over the most. The Wolves turn it over the most. It's not a good recipe. You add in what SGA can do, and like on its face, you feel like this should be a good matchup because the Wolves have, in theory, the bodies to take out SGA. Well, last time out, he scored 33 on 22 shots against Minnesota. He got to the line 13 times, and Jalen Williams was awesome for them. Nobody else came to the party. I mean, I talked about this on the postgame pod last time when they lost to the Thunder. They held Giddy to five points on eight shots, 0-4 outside the arc. Uh, the Thunder bench scored 15 total points in that game. Chet Holmgren was okay. He had 15-5. and five. Like, it was all about SJ and Jalen Williams, and they did a good job with the rest of the role players. Again, they held OKC under 40% shooting. So I would say the same blueprint as last time. Just don't turn it over 21 times. And also make your free throws. They were 72% at the line, missed eight free throws last time. And in the wake of missing seven free throws in the, in the Spurs game on Saturday of this weekend, make your free throws. So my keys are don't turn it over, make your free throws, and obviously the fourth quarter execution has to be there. As long as they do what they did last time with the Thunder role players, right? Like, play the role players well. Uh, don't let them gain confidence, get open threes, make SGA beat you. And if he scores, you know, what did he score? 30, what did I say? 33? 33 on 22 shots? Fine. He's one of the top six players in the NBA. Almost almost undoubtedly. Certainly a top eight player. If he's, if he's going to do his thing, fine. Don't let anyone else do their thing. 
right? Jalen Williams had 20, but it took him 18 shots to get there. Part of the reason the Wolves won that game is they held them to under four, or sorry, didn't win, but almost won the game despite the 21 turnovers. They were in it right down till the end. So that has to improve for the Wolves in this game. We'll do the post-game pod on Tuesday, of course, following the show, uh, the, 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 or following the game. The live postcast will be at Lockdown Sports Minnesota on Monday night. That I believe is Tyler, or no, sorry, it'll be Jack Borman because the game is in OKC. So Jack Borman on the postcast with Luke Inman on Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube. We'll have the audio here on Lockdown Wolves. Um, and also, if you can't watch the game, you can, uh, you can of course, listen on SiriusXM as the Wolves take on the Thunder. Alan Horton will have every bucket from the game on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Minnesota Timberwolves. That's all we have for today here on the show. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Ian. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.